This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FULL10 at checkout. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, May 11th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. On today's financial show, we're going to dig into recent earnings reports from Square and PayPal. We're going to kick around a listener question about the state of the market today. As always, we've got a couple of stocks we're watching this coming week. Joining me as always, certified financial planner, Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going? Pretty good. The rare spring weather in South Carolina <laughs> continues. Things are starting to open up a little bit down here. It's, it's Man, a pretty good day. that's encouraging. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. I think spring weather is here in the sense that the pollen is all over the place. Um, the temperatures are still kind of cool up here in Virginia, but it, you know, it's actually kind of nice. I guess we needed to warm up a little bit, though. Yeah, we had our um, our pollen. <laughs> you know, you've seen it in oh, South yeah. Carolina. Everything yep. turns yellow. Uh, we had that happen a couple weeks ago, so we're pretty much past yeah, the pollen. I think we're in the midst of that right now, so we're kind of just pushing through. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, it, it was a big week last week for earnings season. Plenty of companies uh, reported, but a couple of companies that you and I follow closely, a lot of listeners follow, a lot of listeners own these shares. Uh, you know, half the war on cash basket there in PayPal and Square reported. And and the the following day, the market certainly received those reports uh, very very well. Let's start with PayPal first, Matt. And and I think PayPal actually had the better of the two days uh, be- between the two. But um, I, you know, when when I looked at this report, the report was strong. Uh, the conference call was really strong. I mean, CEO Dan Shulman really framed this thing up in a way. It's hard not to be optimistic about what they're doing and what the future holds uh, for a company like PayPal. Um, the one thing that stood out to me just in the report, uh, strong strong quarterly results for the first quarter as, as usual, but this was a really interesting point here. The month of April alone, now that's their current quarter right now in the second quarter. In the month of April, they added 7.4 million net new accounts. So that's around 250,000 per day. Now, for context, last year, for all of second quarter, they added 9 million net new accounts in all of the quarters. So, so you could see clearly there is a catalyst there that is getting people to sign up for PayPal and use their services more often. I mean, we obviously know what uh, is contributing to that in, in, many, in many regards, but, but that was one of the statistics that stood, stood out to me that just really um, it makes me happy as a shareholder, makes me feel like they're doing the right things. Yeah, we mentioned a while ago that um, we thought companies like Square and PayPal are going to be part of the solution, and that really kind of kind of puts that into perspective. I mean, you said year over year, um, but in January and February they they added what, three million new subscribers a month. So this is you know double what they've been adding in a typical month this year, and more. So um, transaction volume was up twenty percent in April. It was uh, transaction volume, transaction numbers, both up twenty percent. So. 
it's it looks like PayPal. I don't want to say beneficiary. I I don't like using that term in <laughs> in context of the the pandemic, right? Because no one wants to benefit from this. Yeah. This isn't a good situation by any stretch of the word. But for PayPal's business, this, this definitely could be a tailwind um, in terms of shifting more payments to online. We mentioned, you know, cash is gross. No one wants to play <laughs> with cash anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been saying that for years, but it seems like people are finally understanding that cash is kind of yeah, nasty. Yeah, it is. I and mean, I don't uh, even remember the last time I got cash from when I went. Normally, when I go to the grocery store, you know, I'll buy food and then they'll give me the option to, to get some cash back when I swipe my card. I mean, I don't remember the last time I even bothered to get cash back, to be honest with you. And it's just, I just don't need to use it, right? I mean, it just, if you don't need to use it, then why, why bother? I don't, I don't know. No, and, um, like, that's what you're seeing now. People need to buy more things online, especially. So you're seeing PayPal accounts pop up all over the place. And there's just a lot of use cases for them. Like a lot of people need want to send their friends money who are hurting yeah. more than they are. Um, I, our um, fellow industry-focused or co-host, uh, Dan Klein, has been for just to kind of name one example of how PayPal is a really big use product right now. He's been doing these Saturday night concerts from musician friends of his who are out of oh, work right nice. now because they can't play anywhere. And the way they get their tips is through Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, yep. things like that. So there's a whole lot more use cases than really meets the eyes is the point of that story. And check out his concert if you want. I could uh, tweet out details of his next concert. Definitely Absolutely. Yeah, out. we can but get that out there on the uh, industry focus feed. And um, I mean, to your point there about you know, getting money to people, getting it from point A to point B, um, you know, a few years back, PayPal made an acquisition of a company called Zoom. Now, this is not Zoom, the video communications company that we talk about today. This company was XOOM Zoom. Um, and, and some listeners out there may recall, uh, I was a big fan of that business. I actually was able to get that into Million Dollar Portfolio, a service we had here at The Motley Fool at the time. Um, and, and I owned shares of it myself. They were they are in the business of financial remittance, and particularly outbound financial remittance from the United States to all of these different international locations, kind of like a Western Union for the 21st century. And you know, I think PayPal saw something in that very early on and decided, you know what, these guys are doing something that we really like. It works right into our business model. So they, they went ahead and acquired Zoom and, and really bought it for what we all felt like was a, was a steal at the time. Um, in, in, in the call this past quarter, they noted that they saw with Zoom – they saw a 400% increase in people using Zoom, net new actives coming onto Zoom since January. So since the January, February timeframe. Now, I mean, that's that's really before a lot of the coronavirus concerns even started materializing. And certainly, again, I, I agree that we don't want to say beneficiary, but the fact of the matter is this point in time is going to result in companies coming out stronger than than, than going in, um, but but to see that Zoom has gained so much traction in such a short period of time, I mean it it is just mobile remittance, right? Instead of going to a physical location like you would have to do with a Western Union or or something of that nature, you know, Zoom just built this thing as a mobile solution, and it's really really taken off, and, and it's starting to pay dividends for PayPal. Yeah, I mean, like anything that is preventing people from leaving their house or you know, it's not just getting cash out. It's people don't want to swipe their credit cards either. <clears throat> you know, you don't, we don't want to touch anything that other people are touching. So PayPal is just kind of an all-around business that really facilitates that in a lot of different ways right now. Um, and uh, 
to be fair, a lot of their gains uh, in the first quarter came from the Honey acquisition. Yeah, that, that was about out. 10 10 million or 10.2 million users I think they noted that were a, that was a one-time benefit from that acquisition. But I mean, when they make an acquisition like that, I mean, you know part of that is for that user base. I think it was less about, you know, buying what Honey can do, although that is going to be a great part of the situation, but really it was more about buying that network so they could plug all of their additional network users into that Honey product as well. I mean, that's you're talking about hundreds of millions yeah, the, of users. The, the way I put it is it, it wasn't about buying 10 million users from Honey. It was exposing 325 million of PayPal's users to Precisely. Honey's product. Precisely. And um, it's, that's going to be a big tailwind um, going forward. And I mean, it's, it's also worth noting that PayPal was still profitable yeah, this yeah. quarter. Um, it wasn't just impressive growth, even after, after – I mean, like we, the quarter was pretty much normal, but all these financial companies are setting aside a lot of reserves in, in anticipation of losses. Even after that, PayPal earned a pretty respectable earnings per share, $0.66 yep. cents per share. So PayPal was still pretty profitable even after setting aside a bunch of yeah, loss reserves. Yeah, that was reserves. a $0.17. Cent. They quantified that. It was a $0.17 cent impact from those credit loss reserves. And, and that, that makes sense, right? I mean, they have the PayPal credit products. you gotta be you got to be careful with stuff like that. They work in conjunction with Synchrony Bank, so they have some support there. And, and you know, looking at the balance sheet of the company, I mean, cash and short-term investments around $12.5 billion, total debt around $8 billion. I mean, clearly, this is just a cash flow business. They make a lot of money. Are doing a lot of great things. They have a huge network. I mean, it really does paint a picture of a company that has the the just the world in front of it. Which leads me to ask: um, I mean, what would you consider one of the challenges or red flags or something to look out for in regard to a company like PayPal? Or I mean, is there one? Oh, I mean, there's definitely red flags. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a business that's dependent on consumers' willingness and ability to right. spend money. Whether or not they're using cash, if people don't have money, then PayPal's going to suffer. So right now, it's again, I don't want to use the word beneficiary, but the government's been doing such a great job of putting liquidity into the system that it really has a lot. For the most part, I mean, a lot of people are hurting, but for the most part, people's ability to spend really hasn't gone down. It's just their ability to go out and spend. So if people, if we see the pandemic drag on. For longer than the government is, you know, the stimulus payments, the enhanced unemployment before, if the pandemic keeps going after the government support has run out, that could be a, a you know, bad effect on yeah, PayPal's business. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would be, that could last a while, but it would still be temporary in nature. I mean, it's still at the end of the day. Right. For the, for the, for the time being, uh, July 31st is the key date because that's when those, um, the, un, the $600 boost to unemployment benefits is set to run out then. Um, so that's a key date to watch when you um, could potentially see people, consumers start running into a little bit more trouble if this is still dragging on. But I mean, the the fact that a lot of the country is opening up at least somewhat is very encouraging. And I mean, I I think there's minimal risk, but there's definitely a risk to to yeah. that happening. Well, moving on from PayPal to another company that we both like, I think we both own. A lot of our listeners own. I know I know you're a big fan. Uh, Square also reported earnings, um, I, I believe, the same day, and yeah, after the market closed, another uh, another strong quarter. It was interesting to see, you know, the reaction initially from the market was a bit tepid, but the, the following day it opened up, and I mean, I think there was a lot of enthusiasm. And you know, again, I, I see why Square not nearly as big as PayPal, but doing a lot of the same kinds of things that we saw from PayPal in its early days as well. I mean, that was another strong quarter. 
revenue was up 44%, actually 51% if you exclude Caviar, which they recently sold off. But what stood out to you from Square's quarter, Matt? Oh, it didn't stand out. I mean, it was a pretty solid quarter all around. Yeah. I mean, let me collect Let me collect my bearings here. I have like 10 things on my punch Take list. Take a deep um, breath. Well, and, and some were good, some were not. Um, just to kind of, I'll get some of the bad out of the way first. Um, unlike PayPal that was still profitable after setting some some reserves aside, Square was not. They posted a loss of $106 million in the first quarter um, after setting aside some loss reserves. So there's that. Um, and to be fair, Square is a lot more loan exposed than PayPal. Like you mentioned, PayPal's loans are pretty much made through synchrony, whereas Square Capital makes its own loans. Um, Square is a participant in the PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program. Yep. Um, So that's kind of a a new thing that's going on. And just some of the numbers in April were really impressive. Uh, Cash App, direct deposit volume tripled in April month over month. Um, Most of that was the stimulus checks, but it's getting people into the ecosystem and getting money into the ecosystem that creates more transaction volume. Oh, sure. I mean, once you get, um, once you experience the the seamlessness of that experience once, I mean, then you know, I mean, I think really all it takes is one or two of those experiences, and you're hooked. I mean, then you realize what why am I why am I doing this so uh, why am I doing this the hard way when there are easy solutions like the Cash App out there. Right, and that's on top of in the first quarter, the Cash App had the gross profit more than doubled year over year in the first quarter. So. Cash App could be a force to be reckoned with going forward. Yeah. And um, one of the things that really stood out to me, in addition to the Cash App, was the Square Online Store initiative that's really, really small at the moment. Um, and you asked what PayPal needs to be worried about. And, and if this gets big, it could be something that could eat into PayPal's revenue. Um, Square has a platform that let, essentially lets sellers design and build an online store in less than a day. It's really a seamless App. Um, and that's what that Weebly acquisition and, was really all about, right? Yeah, this yeah. came from the Weebly acquisition. And what they saw when um, things started shutting down and you couldn't go inside stores anymore, that uh, payment volume through the online store shot up. It it quintupled. It it, it quintupled in just a couple yeah. weeks since launching curbside uh, pickup options and things like that. So. And again, don't want to use the word beneficiary, but Cash App and Square's online store are two things that really could gain some yeah. traction here. Online store is one really to watch because it's really new. Um, like it's, it Even after, um, I said it quintupled since they launched Curbside, it's still at roughly $50 million of payment volume. And Square's payment volume is in the, you know, about $100 billion yep. per year. So still a very you know drop in the bucket. I could see it getting a whole lot bigger over time. Yeah, I mean that is that's similar to it's kind of like their answer. They're trying to become a little bit more like Shopify in that regard. And you see Shopify trying to become a little bit more like Square on the payment side. And I you know I think we've talked about this before. It's not really having to choose one or the other when you look at both of these businesses and you can see they're they're all doing really neat stuff and they're participating in a huge market. I mean, when you look even further out at these these companies like Visa and MasterCard, you know, and they're talking about these these uh, 185 trillion dollar opportunities of just money flowing around the world. I mean, it it really it, it's mind-bending how how much money you're talking about. And really it's 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 not about one company winning this market. It's about companies providing excellent solutions and taking part in it. And Square just happens to be one of them. Right. I mean, the, the, like you said, they're kind of trying to be a little like Shopify. They're kind of trying to be a little like PayPal and moving away from their traditional brick-and-mortar yeah. business. I think this um, whole pandemic could kind of accelerate their plans yep. to do that. Um, 
because right now they're you know they're reliant on people being able to go to stores and that's that hasn't really that been hasn't, the case nope. um, i mean the cash app certainly helps but as far as their core payment processing business it's pretty much an in-store you know payment system they they don't have that much of an online presence now, yet and and you know i i did i noticed for square in april they were talking about that total payment volume and that gross payment volume that went through the 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 system I mean, they processed 20 25.7 billion in gross payment volume in the quarter, and that was up 14% from a year ago. But if you look at what's gone on in April, they said April's seller gross payment volume was down 39% over the same over the same quarter a year ago. And and it's they've seen some improvement in, you know, I'm I'm sure that that has something to do with states trying to get up and up and running a little bit, but but it also has a lot to do with Square rolling out all of these different features for that online store as more and more sellers move online. And that's kind of like the brick and mortar kind of the the stark differentiation from PayPal. PayPal's, we just talked about their transaction volume was up 20% in April, um, whereas Square's was down 39%. And that's kind of the why you don't want to rely so much on brick and mortar in times like this. And and I mean, this is an extreme example. It's not like you're going to get a a pandemic. We don't get a pandemic like this every few years. But I mean, hopefully, <laughs> knock on yeah. wood, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it, it's there's a lot of things that really can disrupt brick and mortar payments that don't really affect online. Like like you know, a major hurricane goes through the southern U.S. Um, people will need to shop online. Stores are closed for a while. I mean, I, when I lived in the Florida Keys, there was a there was one of the storms when retailers were closed for two weeks, and we really didn't even get anything major. So I mean, but but online. Like yeah, I could still buy whatever I wanted to on Amazon. That's very true. So it there's a, there's a lot that can really disrupt brick and mortar payments, and not and I mean not to mention retail bankruptcies and things like that yeah. that we've seen. So I, I could see Square focusing a lot on that going forward. And I, I'm sure someone at Square was kind of jealous of PayPal's numbers for <laughs> April. PayPal envy, it's a thing, huh? <laughs> I, I mean, I would have been if I if I was Square's CFO or something, I would have looked at. PayPal's numbers and you know maybe try to realign my short term yeah, well, priorities. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, after listening to that PayPal call, I, I mean, it really struck me. Just, um, I mean, it felt like they just won earnings season with that release and that call. It was just so good in so many ways. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with that. And like we said, Squares wasn't bad at all. Both stocks were well up, or were handily yeah. up after that. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I think yeah, very much the the long term picture is 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 still very much in play the long-term thesis there is still very much in play just like in liking the move towards uh less cash more electronic transactions and liking the investments that these businesses are making in, in all sorts of different ways to to facilitate that movement so um yeah we'll keep it keep an eye on any red flags that come out but for now i remain a happy shareholder of both companies and uh just to remind everybody, before we continue, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. And Matt, I tell you, before headquarters, before Full HQ closed down due to the the pandemic, you know, we we had tried out these these air purifiers at, at work, and you know, having been in a room where there's a Molecule air purifier. You notice a difference. You notice a difference, and, and, and when the pollen starts to hit, you notice that difference even more. And you know, it's 2020 now, so folks. I mean, if you're if you're looking 
to stop breathing contaminated air, which I encourage you to do. Stop breathing contaminated air. You got you to gotta be looking at Molecule. Molecule's technology has been verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule gives allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience, and it's breakthrough PECO, P-E-C-O technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. So no matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. You're probably thinking air purification. Okay, what's changed? Well, a lot has changed, actually. The HEPA filter technology that's been used to clean your air was developed in the 1940s, but Molecule has created a new filtration system that actually destroys pollutants on a molecular level. Molecule is easy to use, has a clean, sleek, and modern design that fits in any room of your home. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, promo code FOOL10. Okay, Matt, uh, last week we got a question in from a listener, a friend of the show, Milo McMahon, had, uh, had sent in a little video question for us uh, asking us uh, what we, how we were viewing the market uh, in this state of, of what seems like uh, irrational exuberance today. Hey, Jason, how are you doing, buddy? Um, Milo here. I just had a quick question for you. Um, we've just obviously gone through a completely unprecedented uh, period of economic turmoil, millions of businesses all over the world having to shut down. And yet, as we look at what's happening in the market now, we're seeing prices creeping up, all, in some cases, almost back to where they were or even above that. I'm wondering, you know, as a foolish investor, we are not interested in trying to time the market or anticipate what's going to happen in the short term. But what kinds of things should we be thinking about when we see what essentially appears to amount to irrational exuberance in the market? I'm wondering what kind of things you're thinking about in terms of raising cash or trimming certain positions, because, you know, for every Shopify or PayPal out there, there's probably 10,000 small businesses uh, who have had the exact opposite happen. They haven't grown. They've, they're, they're teetering on collapse. And I just don't see how we can't – I don't see a, a situation where we wouldn't see the ripple effects play out on earnings. Um, so I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. How should investors be thinking about periods like this where it seems abundantly clear that there's irrational exuberance happening in the market? Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope you're keeping well. I thought this was a really good question for a lot of reasons. It, it made me think um – about this this decoupling of sorts that we're seeing. I mean, the the, the economic pitch, picture on the ground obviously is is extremely challenging. I mean, unemployment numbers have clocked in at fifteen percent. There's talk of it going to twenty percent. Um, you, you hear people throwing around the words "Great Depression." I think that's probably a little bit of an overreaction. I think when you look at what caused the Great Depression, I mean, these are two very different points in time. And I think ultimately there is a finish line here in regard to to the pandemic and COVID-19. But, I mean, it was a very fair question. And I wanted to get your point of view. How do you view the conditions in the market today? Do you feel like it's irrational exuberance or do you feel like some of it's justified? I feel like some of the moves have been irrational, but I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like anything's too expensive right now. In, in other words, um, uh, 
the, the way to kind of explain it is that the stock market is a forward mm-hmm. indicator when it comes to the economy. It's not based on what's going on right now. Obviously, if it were, I mean, unemployment spiking, you know, the stock market would be collapsing right now. The stock market is kind of derives its value from the expected results of businesses going forward or over, you know, infinity right. years from now. Um, so as things happen, that picture gets better um, on the economic side when the um, the day the market bottomed was the day the Fed um, passed the or the, the day Congress passed the CARES Act, the big stimulus package. So that changed the picture. There was going to be more money in the economy um, when they um, approved uh, the drug they just approved. Remdesivir. Yeah, Remdesivir. Don't, mm-hmm. don't laugh at me if <laughs> I just said that wrong. Any of them, right, man? Uh, there's all funky names. But, <laughs> but when, when the news came out that that was actually helping coronavirus patients, then the market went up, and rightfully so, because the future projection changed. So it's not necessary. It's and. Nobody has a crystal ball is kind of the point. All that investors can do is kind of make their best guess to where the future is headed. And the future right now looks a lot better than it did on March the 18th. It does. It does. I think that's a really good point. It felt like the entire month of March was just one long nightmare of of bad news. And you could just – you could not get away from it. Right. And the the present doesn't look very good. Uh, like obviously, if you just took a snapshot of the U.S. economy and to- and told somebody randomly that the market was up thirty percent mm-hmm. from the lows, they would ask you <laughs> yeah. why. <laughs> like, it, 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 yeah, like, and I mean, to that point, though, we're kind of in like a little bit of a twilight zone right now. I mean, we've not gotten back to the levels where we were at, at the time that the bear market started, right? Not, no, even, not close. even close. I mean, that was the fastest trip into bear market territory ever. Um, Right, I, I think the Dow is somewhere around tw- in, in the twenty-four thousand ballpark right now. It was closing it was, in uh, on thirty yeah, at last. Yeah, it was closing in. Uh, people were already having Dow thirty thousand hats made <laughs> yeah. on the New York Stock Yeah, I mean that's a very good point. I think. I mean, it is for as for as much enthusiasm as it feels like there is today. It still isn't even close to where we were when everything fell. Right when the when the bottom fell out. So, I mean that that is a really good point there. We fell so far so fast that any kind of bounce back almost feels like. Um, irrational exuberance to a degree, but yeah, I mean that's a good point. We're not even close to to the highs where we were before the before the bottom fell out. And I will say, the last time the market peaked was the day that I was up there talking to Jason in person. <laughs> so there may be something to that. I did, we need to make a trip to Fool HQ and just meet you at the office, and the market will be you know. I, I, I like that, that thinking. I like that thinking. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this over the weekend too, and, and there was a quote from Microsoft earnings, uh, Microsoft's earnings call. Uh, I guess it was last week, uh, but CEO Satya Nadella said in the call, he said, "We've seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months," and and he's right. I mean, we're seeing it even even um, at the Motley Fool. I mean, we had to close down Fool HQ. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of months ago, and. Um, we we were quick to pivot into introducing all sorts of of you know technology that we've tampered with te- technology that we've used but but we essentially took that technology and, and and we made it you know our entire workflow so whether it's zoom video communications or whether it's slack or whether it's microsoft or google um i mean we're 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 getting all of the work done it's just in a different way now and it struck me that 
you know, he, he was right. This digital transformation was really pulled forward. It's not that digital transformation wasn't happening. It was, but this really hastened the process. And I think in, in the process, it's really, it's shown a light on the companies that are leading the way in this regard. And it's not just in any one vertical, right? I mean, we talked about Zoom and Slack and Microsoft, companies like that. But look at companies like DocuSign or PayPal and Square or even Teladoc Health. All of a sudden now, people are starting to get it a little bit more. I mean, even esports, for example, now that the entire sporting world is ground to a halt. I mean, you're seeing all sorts of different things coming to the forefront now that there were signs that they were coming to the forefront, but this really hastened the process. And so it's one thing to look at the greater market and understand that there are plenty of companies out there that are really suffering but within that market, within that within that group, I mean, there are some companies that are really, really shining, and I think a lot of that just has to do with this digital transformation that they're leading. One of the, one of the big questions I have is is how much of that shift is going to yeah. be permanent? Like, um, for example, after nine eleven, people were saying no one's going to fly again, um, and and all business is going to take place over the phone and things things mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, so one of my big questions is how much of that is a permanent shift because Yes, esports is getting a big bump right now, but people aren't going to stop going to football yeah. games. You know, it, people aren't going to necessarily stop going on vacation and staying in hotels. People who are saying that um, virtual meetings are going to completely take the place of in-person business are the same people who tell you that K cups are going to replace <laughs> going to Starbucks. <laughs> like, it's just not a it's not a fair comparison. It's not a permanent. Yes, it took. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, instead of going to Starbucks, are making a K cup or two. But it didn't replace it no. by any means. So it's kind of it's it'll be kind of curious to see the dynamics when things snap back to, you know, how much of the video conferencing is permanent, how much of the using PayPal instead of or Venmo instead of using like you know credit cards in a store is 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 going to be permanent. So it's going to be some interesting dynamics. But they, like I said, the economy definitely looks. The future economy looks a lot rosier than it did a couple yeah. months yeah, ago. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Milo, thanks for the question. I hope that was helpful. Um, okay, Matt, before we wrap it up here, let's uh, jump into the ones to watch. we got stocks we're watching this coming week. What is your one to watch, Matt? Well, I think neither of us are going to mention any financial <laughs> stocks right now. Um, yeah. Not on purpose. There are some good deals there. But um, I'm looking at Disney right now. And I'll tell you why. I, I recently bought Disney in my kids' accounts for the first time. I had been wanting to buy it forever, and it finally had some good opportunities in the, in recent weeks. Um, right? Yeah, We all know why Disney is the stock's down. You know, the parks are closed, the cruise ships are docked. Um, but there's also some reasons to be positive. One, they have tons of liquidity. They've they raised another $7 billion in debt, $5 billion on their credit line. They suspended their dividend. They have plenty of money to make it yeah. through to the other side. That's number one. Number two, they just reopened Shanghai Disney, uh, their, their biggest one in, in Asia. And if, if that demands any indicator, then people are not going to be afraid to go to Disney World and Disneyland when yep. we reopen. Um, the brand value of Disney is kind of unmatched. They hit, they're almost to their 2024 projection for Disney Plus, and the service launched six months ago. So they hit uh, 54.5 million users. They said they were on track. They wanted to do 60 million by 2024. Yeah, I'd say so I'd say they got that. Lot of, I'd say they got that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably going to get yeah. that this year. So I I I think there's a lot of a lot to like about Disney, especially at these levels. Disney is not a stock you buy for the short term. That's something you buy and hold for a long, yeah. long time. So if you have some money that you want to 
just buy something and leave it alone for a while with Disney as well. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yep. I mean, this this pandemic is going to be temporary, but when it's all said and done, Disney's still going to be awesome. So that's a good, a good thing to keep in mind. Um, well, so I'm gonna, I'm actually going to be keeping an eye on Sony and, and the ticker uh, on this market here, SNE. And Sony is a little bit of a financials company, believe it or not. Um, that's not why I'm watching it, but but really, I mean, they are making all sorts of investments in immersive technology, from AR visors to VR gaming experiences with the PlayStation, um, and they're helping customers build out solutions for industrial AR uses today. So it's just, I'm I'm very fascinated uh, by uh, by by the the immersive technology angle. Um, but but it's also a very well diversified business. Around thirty five percent of their operating profit comes from gaming with the PlayStation platform. But as I mentioned, there is a financials uh, to, to this uh, financials dynamic to this business. Now it's it's mostly insurance, and I think most, if not all, of that takes place in its home home market of Japan. But it's around fourteen percent of revenue. Interestingly enough, so just kind of kind of interesting to think of Sony as, as a financials company in some capacity. Um, but but the you know, the, the stock it's not it's not one that's on our radar very often. I think in our foolish universe for whatever reason. But it's one that's been on my radar for a while now, and uh, you know, if you look back over time, it's actually performed quite well. And, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. It's just a very well diversified company that does a lot of different things. Um, and as technology continues to evolve, it, it seems like Sony is is playing a big role in that. So uh, earnings are out on Wednesday. Going to be digging into that to see uh, what the rest of the year looks like for them. But Matt, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Hopefully. Things will start to get back to normal gradually as we go over the next few months. I'm kind of curious to see how this Fingers plays out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And remember, everybody, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. Let us know how things are going. Ask us questions. Tell us about stocks that you're buying. We're always interested to hear. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to our man, Alston Morgan, for making the magic happen. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.